I'm Sam Mitchell, and these are my stories. Hi, folks. I hope you're having a good day today. Let me be the first to welcome you to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Now, before we begin, I must know that I am not a doctor or psychiatrist. If your son or daughter is be diagnosed with autism, please see a physician, at least based on my experiences. Also, do not unless you the sounds. The sounds were from www.freesounds.com. I also have a mission statement, I like to say. And the mission of Autism Rocks and Rolls is to take the stigma off of autism and other conditions that many think are disabilities. People on the spectrum are not broken and do not need to be fixed. Those who have conditions or abilities do not want to be pitied. There's nothing to be sorry about. I also have some pay for the following. I want to give you a shout-out to Brandon Barrett. Let me tell you something, folks. We took part in the annual Cast for Kids at Lake Monroe last Saturday. Wow, what can I say? The event was put together by Brandon and Amy Barrett, these wonderful human beings. Being our sponsor, the day was full of fun and awards for the fishermen and women, and so much happiness for those that participated. People that are definitely able went out with some very awesome cams and caught fish. Then there was an award ceremony. My mom and I were given the opportunity to spread my mission by taking the audience about Autism Rocks and Rolls. This is an annual event, so please get involved. Thank you, Jeff Barnes, the Eastern Regional Director for Cast for Kids, and Brandon and Amy Barrett. You are all rock stars. The kids I worked with are superheroes, too. I met some amazing people at the event, too. Doug Killian, Andrew Woodall, Amanda Nixon, Natasha Humphrey, Amanda Tolliver, and Lisa Lazel, the winner of the raffle prize of the ATA Month Training. We met Amanda Nixon, what an amazing person. Her and her wife are our amazing parents. They adopted Becca and Leah Nixon in December 2021, both were diagnosed with autism. Becca is a junior at Spencer Owen School, and guess what? She made for the JV cheerleading squad. Way to go, Becca. And I got given to Steve Miller and Angel Shear, who have been behind me 100%. Stephen Miller Taxers in Bloomington, Indiana can help you today. Even though taxing is over, there are still late filings. Call this tax service and they will take care of you. Thank you to Angel for everything lately. We certainly appreciate you. And once again, I'd like to thank PALS. PALS is a nonprofit therapeutic rights center for people with disabilities, veterans, seniors, and at-risk youth. Therapeutic benefits of the horses are plentiful for our diverse population and include emotional physical, and social benefits. Christina Arthur is the instructor, and she is awesome. The entire staff and facility are amazing. Visit them there today. And as I read the Palace mission on their website, I realize that our missions are basically the same. Palace provides therapeutic programs with challenging work environment that is safe, caring, and supportive. But they also want to foster growth and a challenging work environment that is safe, caring, and supportive. They want to foster growth and individual achievement for all participants that will enable them to reach their highest potential. The keywords here are highest potential. Like my Autism Rocks and Rolls podcast, Pals is trying to show that no matter what human beings have something to offer in society and they will help them show what they can do. Our audience is not only similar, but we are both trying to change the world one lesson and one episode at a time. But I also have some thanks I want to give. I'm going to thank the podcast that I was on last week. Elaine Sugar, the Empower Team Self-Esteem, Joseph S. Fuzaro, the Good Air podcast, and D. Sean Black-Webster, Over the Top Ropes podcast. What amazing podcast. Be sure to check them all out. And I got to thank Haley Gillespie and Abe Shapiro for the great advice when I did my mock speech live. Thanks again for attending. I just want to say that I'm at college now. Yep, I am currently enrolled in two classes and getting an internship underway. Wish me luck. Now, folks, we'll get into our topic really soon, but right now we got to hear about Wellspring Paint Solutions. So, hit it. Hello, everybody. This is Mike Glasscott from the Glass in the Afternoon radio program on News Sports Talk 98.7 and AM 1370 and WGCLradio.com. And on behalf of Wellspring Pain Solutions, they're happy to partner with Sam Mitchell and the Autism Rocks and Rolls podcast. Wellspring Pain Solutions applauds Sam's mission statement to eliminate the stigma associated with autism. Here's what we want you to do. Check out the website, 
wellspringpainsolutions.com. You'll find out which of the four locations is closest to you. You'll get a chance to meet their team of providers and all the services offered at Wellspring. When you're there, now the fun really begins. You'll find the link to Sam's website where you'll find all his podcasts, background information on his guests, as well as all the merch in his merchandise store. You'll be amazed. You'll have fun. You'll enjoy it. All we ask you to do is take a listen and spread the word that autism rocks and rolls. All right, folks, we're back. I don't you be too nervous to meet these fine people. Now, today, folks, we actually have a treat for you. All the way from Scotland, we have David Covey. He competed in the Brent Scott talent in the 14th series. Covey has a degenerative eye condition that causes his blindness, and he has had it since birth. He once said, I don't let it get me down, and I don't take it seriously. He is not only funny and got a standing ovation from Simon Cowell and the rest of the judges. Like many guests on my show, he is breaking down barriers. He also said, might be a negative in my life. I have turned it into a positive. Autism Rocks Mills is built on this foundation and motto. Society thinks we are broken, but we are not. Join me in welcoming a very funny and role-changing comedian who happens to be blind to Autism Rocks and Rolls. Welcome, Mr. Cubby, and we are so glad you're here today, and how are you doing? Hey, how are you? I'm all right. So my first question to you is, what does being blind mean to you? It means not seeing very much. <laughs> doesn't really bother me, being blind. It's just like... It is what it is. It's just something you live with. Everybody's got something wrong with them, be it visual, mental, or whatever. And then you just take it in your stride and go on with it. Yeah, you just take along with it and you just go for it. You don't stop the path. You just keep going. You don't let the obstacles break you down. You never do. No, it's too easy to use it as an excuse. You're right. It is too easy as an excuse. I never let my autism break me down. And if you use an excuse, you just go downhill. But why go downhill when you can go uphill? Yeah, you've got, got to stay positive and, and make things happen for yourself. Don't expect other people to gift you. No, get out there, do it, and don't moan about it. So what were your initial thoughts when you learned that you were going to be blind? It's hard because it's very difficult to put yourself in that mindset where one minute you can see, then the next minute you can't. But maybe fortunately for me, it was a gradual process. So it wasn't that shock where... Though your life's turned upside down, I'd imagine that as an insane thing to deal with. So it was more of a kind of gradual process for me, and little by little, things went dimmer. And you know, you can look back maybe 10 years and realize, how did I get from here to there? But it was so gradual that you didn't really notice it, so to speak. Well, you always wonder how you get from here to there. When you're what society calls disabled, you don't know how you got there because society doesn't want you to get there, but yet we don't reach the peak until we do. One thing you need to do is accept it. There's a lot of prejudices out there when you're meeting other people and just strange things, like maybe you walk into a bar and I've got a guide with me and they'll talk to the guide rather than me. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> so now, how do you think a blind brain operates? Like, with some, when someone's blind, like, how do you think they operate? I can only speak for myself, but I tend to think very three-dimensional and um, I plan a lot ahead especially for big events and stuff like that but you just never know it's around the corner you just need to be aware that things can change very quickly you need to adapt very quickly to situations I wear glasses um, because it helps just with a wee bit of light and uh, so that people have the assumption that you can see as the case that I can't see very much at all so it can be difficult getting across to other people what the problem actually is very often they don't believe you until they do believe you yeah <laughs> until you walk into a pole <laughs> exactly bingo until you walk into the pole uh... 
Oh, sorry. Missed the poll there. <laughs> Being blind in the lockdown, um, people didn't like me during lockdown. You know, it's, it's very hard to socially distance when you're blind. It takes all my time to socially distance from lampposts, you know. Now, what is the most <laughs> rewarding and most difficult thing about blindness, in your opinion, from your perspective? rewarding you approach life in a different way you maybe use other senses in ways that you never would have you get opportunities that you probably never would have for instance i don't think i would ever get into a comedy had it not been for the fact that this happened to me and i suppose that was the main blessing for me as much as going blind or acquiring a disability is a blessing but it is what you are eventually you know you're a product of your environment yeah exactly now what other senses do you use mainly sound obviously particularly in work you know, i use talking software it's not that your senses get better that's a misconception a lot of people have no they i think they they sometimes mistake me for the amazing cubby the supersonic hearing or something but what actually happens is you become more attuned to using a sense or even if you broke a right arm or a right wrist you, you would become more adapt at using your left all of a sudden and it's the same for your senses you know your touch becomes more attuned even taste and things like that because you're not relying on smell quite as much but everything's heightened to a degree but it doesn't necessarily mean it's better Exactly. Nothing means better. It's just, it's an improvement, sort of. Yeah, you're using it more, so you become accustomed to using that tool. Yeah, I use my senses, but I also use my ears and definitely my other senses, too. And I take seeing as a privilege every day. I think it's one of those things, you never know how important something is until it's gone or or damaged, you know. Then it's the wake-up call, and you realize that you don't take things for granted. But it's easy saying that when everything is going along nice and smoothly what advice would you give to someone who just learned they were blind you need to accept it as crazy as that sounds it's very easy to deny it and try to operate the way you always did not accept help uh, or not accept advice just listen to what people are telling you and take on board the advice and when you eventually can accept it no do what you want to do and certainly don't sit around and wait for people to organize your life for you get out there find out what you're good at and get better at it and enjoy yourself right go you're basically saying go make your life no they might only get one shot at it so no exactly. make you only make it one shot of life you got to make your own life path and what you yeah. choose to make yeah don't sit there waiting for god just get out there and enjoy yourself to the best of your abilities surround yourself with good people as well i would agree with that I, you got a support system so i'm sure you do as well Without the support system, it would be near nigh impossible for me to go to gigs and perform. And you know, these guys, I might be on stage speaking, but there's a whole process of getting me there and the support I've received to get there. And you know, these people that go out their way to help. And it's not as if it's charity or anything like that. It's just people want to help you be the best you can be as well. Now... I am curious. I want to talk to you how I found you and which is obviously when you became a little known, which is Britain's Got Talent. So why did you decide to audition for Britain's Got Talent? It wasn't a decision I made, actually. It was uh, one of the researchers um, spotted me at a gig and approached me and says, look, they didn't tell me what the show was. They said, you may actually be good for a little show that we run. Uh, would you be interested in applying? So he sent me the stuff, and it was when the stuff came through, it was Britain's Got Talent. And then you think to yourself, this could open quite a lot of doors. 
but it could also be the worst move I ever make as well. So I had to make the decision, do you go for it? And I did, and it paid off. Unfortunately, though, I was on it right in the worst possible time for performance because it was aired just as everything locked down. So reaping the benefits wasn't brilliant until now where we're opening back up again. You got lucky, I think. You barely avoided not being able to go on stage. So that was one of the last things I'd ever done on stage before lockdown. It was at the London Palladium in front of about two and a half thousand. So it was a a good way to bow out. Now, Uh, with your audition, what do you hope people can take away from it and the story you told? First of all, people had a good laugh because that's what it was all about. And I would say that if I can inspire anyone to get out there and do something similar or do something just in their personal life that makes them happy or makes others happy, basically the message I'd always have is just get out there and then try your best to be all you can be. Yeah, you get that one shot in life. Take it. Yeah. Don't don't yeah. hesitate to pull the trigger. You pull it yourself. Yeah. Go for it and then I said... Things don't always land in your lap. you go got to get out there, try and find the opportunities and take them and turn up for everything. Exactly. You just do your best in life. Now, out of curiosity, who was your favorite judge on Britain's Got Talent and why? For different reasons. I liked all the judges, but in the recording, the recording's actually a lot longer than they aired. So I was on stage for maybe 10 to 15 minutes. So they, you know, they, they cut it down quite a bit. And uh, a lot of the comments you didn't see were from Simon. And they were really glowing, and um, he was really impressed. Um, so I would say on the night, Simon was definitely uh, my favourite judge. Although they were all nice, and uh, I respect every one of them for what they've done in life. I bet Simon commented on you well, because he seems to like people like you who are trying to change the world and inspire. It makes it his mission a lot of the time to promote people and try and develop people the best they can be as well. And it uh, very often helps them in doing that. Exactly. You, you got to help others. That's what life's all about, helping one another to gain an upgrade. Yeah, you could probably say you reap what you sow. So if you're out there trying to help others and be the best you can be, uh, I think at some point you will reap the rewards. Everyone gets a little lost at some point, but we can get back on track, I think. Now, since you lost your sight from birth, were there ever times you were scared because you simply could not see? You know, not really. I was always aware of staying calm in situations. There might have been a few times where I was out, the people that I'm with have drifted away, and you're a bit concerned of they gone, am I left? But other than that, I've never really panicked in a situation where being blind was the cause of it. Okay, yeah, I could, and I'm like, that. good job. Like, whoa, now if I was blind, I would have lost my crap because I won't be able to see my <laughs> mother's face anymore, my father's face. That would hurt, man. I'm happy that doesn't bother you as bad because as a person, it would bother me bad. The thing is, if you did go blind, it wouldn't bother you. You'd come to terms with it and accept it. And the good thing is, I tend to remember people the way they used to look, which is beneficial for them. I could see that. You tend to remember <laughs> and that tends to help for sure. Now, out of curiosity, yeah. what resources do you use to help yourself move around more? I mean, I do have the white stick to help, um, but I tend not to use it a lot because when I'm out, I'm going to a lot of different gigs in different parts of the cities or different parts of the country. The stick doesn't really do anything for you unless you know where you are. No, it's, it's not like a magic wand, so 
if I get lost, the stick is every bit as lost as I am, you know. And the only other thing that I really use on a daily basis would be the talking software at work, which allows me to do my job. And in particular, I, I use Alexa a lot for music and listening to books and collating information and researching. So probably 20 years ago, someone in my position would find it really difficult. It's maybe that right now is a good time to be blind. Yeah, exactly. Now, out of curiosity, have you ever done some with Alexa? Like, have you said, Alexa, make a bodily function noise just to be ridiculous? Yeah, yeah, I can be very childish. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, me too. I can be very childish with that. Alexa, make a flushing noise. I would have done that, like the first thing I would have (laughs) done. Yeah, of course. But the main things I use for, uh, because I tend not to watch TV now, I listen to a lot of it podcasts and books for Alexa so she's handy in that respect so that that, would be the main tools that I'd use her for whereas when I'm writing my comedy I use uh, the speaking software that I've got to work for that. Now you were talking about your job I'm actually going to transit into your job and you are a customer business supporter assistant and you have been that for a long time so what was your application process for this job? I was at university And I got a job as a gym instructor and I was a gym instructor for like 10 years. And then that's when my eyes became kind of really started to get to the point where it was difficult to function in like a normal everyday job. So eventually I got an administrative job working with a computer. So the job kind of get given to me. It's one of those things where I wouldn't have chosen to do it, but sometimes you need to accept the cards that you're dealt. Yeah, you can't let your doubt get to you, like you said. So it's good that I still work nine to five. I've got a job. I've got my comedy as a creative outlet. And hopefully I can push on with that now and try and make it more of an employment opportunity for the future. We can we can maybe help you out a little bit with that sometime if we ever get the opportunity to. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. And it would be very much appreciated. Of course, buddy. Anytime. Now, what would be like an average day for you as the customer business support assistant? To give you the background, we supply all the kind of leisure facilities within the area, like gyms, aerobics, swimming, all that sorts of stuff. So it's all opening back up right now. So basically I get moaned at most of the day right now, people struggling to get booked into classes and stuff. But it's all good. At least life's getting back to normal. Oh yeah, I'm happy life's getting back to normal myself, believe me. And then it was only three, four weeks ago now, was the first time I'd been back on stage and it was absolutely brilliant. It was a joy. Oh, I bet, to... you were ha- I bet you were in heaven. Yeah, the thing is, I've, I've never ever get nervous before gigs and I thought it was going to be a nightmare going back to doing it. No, just anxiety and not sure how it would work out. But as soon as I was standing at the side of the stage waiting to get on, I just knew that this is going to be great. And it just felt as if I'd never been away. Now, as a person who was blind, Do you get help at work or do you try to challenge yourself and do things on your own? I don't get any help at work, really, unless I ask for it. And usually it's because there's been an electronic malfunction in the software or something that I can't see or deal with. But apart from that, I'm I'm battling for myself there. And then I wouldn't have it any other way, really. Now, out of curiosity, why do you think you prefer not the help? And I'm not trying to degrade you, I'm just curious. And I think everybody, you just like your own space and having the satisfaction are doing a job well. And I think yeah. when other people are helping you do that constantly, it's very difficult to feel it as if it's your own. 
Yeah, sure. You just want your own time, you know? Everyone has to have themselves because there's four of my opinion, four terms to your life. You're academic if you're in school, you're social, yeah. you're balanced. And then the fourth one, there's your time. That's one of the necessities. Otherwise, you're going to lose your stuff and you need to reflect yeah. sometimes on who you are. And that, that's why lockdown is so difficult. Although I was probably one of the few people in the country that didn't get sick of the sight of the people that he was living with. Now, um, Dave, I'm going to, Dave, 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 I'm going to ask you to, Mute yourself in because we got to hear another ad, excuse me, but it's going to be about life paths counseling. So let's hear it. Life is full of changes, and sometimes these changes can be challenging. Heather Hudson, clinical social worker and therapist, enjoys helping people navigate through these difficulties in life. In her practice, Heather offers successful ways people can cope with these seasons of life. She offers helpful and practical resources and options, as well as caring, non-judgmental, empathetic listening. Heather believes you are the expert in your own life. In the year 2020, we all know it was a hard year with the COVID pandemic. COVID has caused grief, loss, and isolation. Heather can help with these feelings. Her other specialties are children dealing with divorce, abandonment, death of a loved one, and other losses that affect your life. Although Heather cannot offer legal advice to you, she can discuss with you what kind of legal assistance you need and what you need to know and how to contact an attorney. Contact Heather today at 812-325-4009. All right, folks, and we're back. And I don't want you to be too sad because she'll help you on the right path. Now, out of curiosity, Dave, I am curious. I do want to talk more about your comedy. So when did you first fall in love with comedy? I always loved comedy. I grew up watching a lot of British sitcoms and sketch shows. In particular, in Scotland, we had Billy Conley uh, growing up. And he was just one of the greatest stand-ups of all time, in my opinion. And he probably gave me a lot of love for the stand-up comedy because you could hear someone using your accent on TV and that didn't necessarily happen a lot back in the day. Yeah, exactly. I like comedy too, but my problem is with stand-up, you know, I like stand-up comedy, but my problem is I can never do it because I think I'm funny. I mean, everyone thinks they're funny, obviously, but my family and everyone else, I guess, has said that. But my problem is... If I say something funny, I don't realize it. And with stand-up, either I think I try too hard is the way to put it. And I don't say stuff funny. I do things funny. Like, you know, I'll slide down the sled with my pants off if, if, as an example. Yeah, it's just naturally funny. Yeah, it's, it's just naturally funny on what I do. It's not what I say. It's what I do. So I, yeah, I applaud it, you for stand-up. And really, what's the trick with stand-up? The thing is, you, you meet a lot of guys who are naturally funny, like yourself. And maybe if they're in a bar, they can tell stories and be hilarious. And um, quite often, those guys are some of the funniest guys you'll ever meet. But when you're on a stage, it's a different thing completely because there's an expectation there of you being funny. And it's not easy. It is a process of learning what is funny and how to approach an audience. What you need to do is, it's like sitting in an apprenticeship. You start off at open nights, learn what's funny, what people like, and gradually build to the point where you find yourself as a comic. Right, so you basically watch and learn. Yeah, you do. The main thing is just being on stage. That's the main thing. It's like sparring. The best way of learning how to be a good boxer is basically boxing. And it's the same with comedy. You need to be in front of people, trying to make them laugh, making mistakes, and learning from their mistakes. Yeah, you got to box 
basically your opponent, which is kind of yourself. Yourself and the audience. <laughs> now, I am curious. What is your favorite joke that you've told, basically, like ever? Now, that's, that's a tough one because it's usually within a certain context. But the one that I've always liked and I've kept is um, when I tell the audience that I am, in fact, blind. And I say to them, and I know the first thing you're probably thinking to yourselves, well, why in the hell is this guy wearing glasses then? And I've always loved that. <laughs> yeah, I've always thought that too. My favorite one, I watched your audition to do some yeah. research on you. My favorite was the blind date one. That 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 made me chuckle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. that makes sense. I mean, why do you want to go on a blind date if you're blind? <laughs> Yeah, very few women seem to want a blind date, though, you know. <laughs> yeah, they don't want to, yeah, they don't want to, they want to be able to see, apparently. Yeah, you know, and, and how many women have you ever heard saying, I really fancy the guy with the mad eyes and bruises on his shins? <laughs> yeah, no kidding on that. <laughs> and it's not, I don't blame them, though. It must be really hard to take me seriously when one of my eyes has got them in a dead stare. And the other one seems to be looking for UFOs. Yeah, I can see that. And that actually leads me to my, <laughs> ne my next question. So what can you tell our listeners about breaking down barriers and being you and not letting things get in your way? Because you said just don't take it seriously and you don't let it get in your way. So how can us let things not get in our way? It's very easy for me to say don't take it seriously because at the end of the day, it is serious. And it's going to affect just about every part of your life. But if you can, don't take it serious. And just try your best to live a normal life, whatever that might be for you. Surround yourself with good people. And as long as you do that, I mean, your quality of life is, is going to be there. Just don't hide. Get out there. That would be my advice. I, the Fiend once said in professional wrestling, I'm a big professional wrestling fan. He said, let me in. I think what we need to do sometimes is let ourselves in. And yeah. you got to conquer a hurdle and open the door ourselves. Yeah, it's all about acceptance, really. Oh, once, you've yes. once you've accepted it, you can move on from it. And until you do that, you're not going to develop very much. And you could spend your whole life just being bitter about something and not embracing what you could have been. And I think that's what you need to do. Accept it and move on. Right. Time to focus on the past, not focus on the present. Learn what you can be, not what you yeah. were. Yeah, you've kind of hit the nail there. Focus in the future, not what's... Every day's a new day. Now, you also said you don't never let things bring you down. So how can, like, me and everyone else in the world learn to not, like, or improve their way of thinking of not letting things bring them down? That's a difficult one because I suppose it's very intrinsic to how the individual feels. But I think you just need to put things into context and, uh, context and possibly look at the bigger picture on every occasion and see how insignificant it really is in terms of you know, what goes on in the world and what might be further afield. It might matter to you in a moment, but there's always tomorrow and you can move on from that. Exactly. Because look at you, even though you're blind, you're making people laugh and cackle and you're having a blast on stage. I'm having a blast yeah. while doing my media techniques. I mean, yes, I am autistic. Yes, you're blind. But you know what? It's not the full puzzle. It's just yeah. half of the puzzle. Look on. Let's look on the other half of it. Look what we can do, yeah. not what we can't do. And I mean, I, I live with at least two people with autism as well. You, you know, they've got their difficulties. I see them struggle each day. And I've, I see them develop in ways that help them deal with it. And they surround themselves with networks and people that help them do what they want to do and get the most out of their life. And I think that's all you can do. Yeah, it's all you can do. And now that you mentioned autism, I'm actually curious. 
So, you know, those two guys with autism. So how do you like help them when they're having like what I call like an Aspie moment, like when they're kind of being blunt and they don't realize it or all that jazz, like how do you help them out? If you see it with your own eye or not see it, no offense, but like hear it. (laughs) I just realized that now. So one of them is my son. He's only eight. He's got quite a few different autisms, but he's very highly intelligent, very highly functioning. You wouldn't notice it in him at all. But the most difficult thing we've got with him is like, you know, quite bad anxiety and um, he doesn't sleep much. So you try and just find ways of dissipating anything stressful. More often than not, it's trying to get them to take a step back and look at what's going on because sometimes they're just running straight into that brick wall where there's meltdown approaching and you just need to stop and think about it. And I think that's probably a lot of what we do to try and make him happy and realise that he's maybe going down an avenue that he doesn't want to. Yeah, he doesn't want to let it go, is his thing. And the anxiety, I can relate because I have anxiety too. And for the listeners, C109 Autistic Butterflies, more information on that. But my anxiety is high too. It's always been, like ever since I was a little boy, like it's been bad. Like I, there have been times where I had to like sleep like a couple of days. It's been like, I wish I could control, but mentally it's like a switch goes off. My my little boy, he hardly sleeps at all. He'll go for 24 hours easily. And um, and the worse his anxiety gets or the more insight he gets, the worse it gets. So when it's coming up to things like his birthday, no, hardly sleeps. And uh, fortunately, though, it's only four sleeps to his birthday now. It's just a pity that it's in February. I, I can see that. It does get better, though. That's the hardest part with my anxiety. It's like, I know the anxiety is real, and I just feel like it doesn't get better. But at the end, I know it does. But it's just in that moment, I just think, nope, it ain't going to get better. So I totally yeah. understand him. And I think it's something that as much as we try and help it, it's going to come down to the individual to create their own coping mechanisms and how they're going to deal with things. You can guide and try and help, but I think the individual really needs to understand themselves and how best to control their own emotions or the way they're feeling. Yeah, and I learned um, in Taekwondo, I'm a black belt. That's a fun fact for you. And for the listeners, C129, a black belt journey for more information. That's what taught me was a lot. I had had issues with that and they saw self-control. I mean, I I was a great guy and I still am to this day, at least I think I am, but I had hard times with self-control because I was just frustrated and I take it out on others and, you know, it's it's not their fault. It's not their fault that you're on your anxiety. (laughs) That's what I would say, that there are no bad children. It's just children generally with anxiety don't know how to deal with it and they'll lash out. Bingo. And I've had my experiences with lashes too. So, David, I'm asking you to mute again because we got to hear about a new ad, actually. It's about the bar in Maryland Ridge where I'm from. So let's hear it. There is a hidden gym in eastern Greene County, folks. Fowler's Pumpkin Patch and the barn on Maryland Ridge Wedding Barn. Autism Rocks and Rolls is very proud to tell you about our friends, Perry and Renee Fowler, and their place of business. Both Fowler Pumpkin Patch and the barn on Maryland Ridge is a relaxing drive approximately 15 minutes from the heart of Bloomington, Indiana, and an hour south of Indianapolis. You can find them at 5347 South Greene County Line Road, Bloomington, Indiana, 47403. The property has numerous picture locations. 
locations, including several rolling fields, antique tractors, red and rustic barns, trees, and much more. Customized wedding packages are offered on their website. The surrounding area also provides several hotels in which to have your guests stay for your destination wedding. Also, Fowler's Pumpkin Patch is a family-owned and operated seasonal pumpkin patch. It's the perfect place to take your family for some fall fun. Enjoy picking out pumpkins, hay rides, a corn maze, and a petting zoo. Call the Fowlers today at 812-327-4895 or 812-325-6022. All right, folks, we're back. And yes, please check out their wedding bar because you'll definitely hear the words I do if you check it out. So now, Cubby, I am curious. Your nick, your, you said it had a long like name and you changed it to Cubby. So where did the nickname Cubby come from? It was just a family thing where everyone that had the name Cuffbotson just ended up getting called Cubby. So... That, that's where that comes from. It's quite good as a stage name because people tend to remember it um, because David Cuthbertson certainly isn't cool. Yeah, it sounds like about a cough a hairball, honestly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what I think every time I hear that. And with Cubby, though, I for some reason when I hear Cubby, I think like a third, I envision like a third grader going putting a backpack in his Cubby. <laughs> I don't know why I envision that, but I just do. I also well, see you have a TikTok account, so... Why did you decide to get a TikTok account? And how's that help you spread your message of, hey, I'm a comedian that just happens to be blind? I just actually set that up quite recently. But because I've not been performing, I haven't been able to use it. And the main reason I started using it is because of my wee boy. He absolutely loves TikTok and he's never off it. Just constantly watching video after video after video. I wanted to try and get more, more viewers than him, but I, I feel miserably. Now, does it ever but, annoy you? Like, does TikTok ever act like an idiot with you? No, because usually I'm not the one operating it. <laughs> oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> does it give so the I other can... person a harder time? Yeah, well, my wee boy seems to understand it. Anything I do on it, he tends to sort it out. I like the fact that it's short videos, so that it's good for kind of promoting maybe small ideas or maybe bits of material that you're thinking of using or might not use again. So I like that short format of TikTok and hopefully I can embrace it a bit more now that I'm back performing again. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of performing, I do want to talk about you actually doing live shows. So when was the first time you did a live show? When was like your first time ever you did the live show? Probably about five years ago. Well, maybe slightly longer. I went to a comedy open night where it's basically just people getting up and uh, doing material. And uh, me and a friend went and we were sitting in the audience and we said to each other, we could do better than this. So we'd had a few drinks and we agreed that we would try, but he sobered up the next day and decided he wasn't going to do it. But I decided I was going to do it. And I turned up two months later at the same venue, got up and probably within the first 30 seconds, I was convinced that it was something that I should be doing. And it was something that I could do. And I wasn't relying on someone else to help me with. It was me speaking the words I wrote, being funny, and words that I'm using. Yeah, sure. Wait, your first live, you were intoxicated? Yes. <laughs> oh, Lord. Bobby. <laughs> well, just, just a couple of pints for uh, a bit of confidence. Got it. Not, not, not now, though. Okay. Not with, I was ready to say, not, not now. Yeah. If Now, if now it would be kind of funny. No offense, but... <laughs> oh man now what is the most fun and challenging part of doing a live show for me the most fun is that moment you step on stage and try to 
introduce yourself to the audience and start creating that rapport. And um, the sheer joy and payoff at the end, if that audience is whooping and hollering at the end of your performance, the adrenaline rush you feel from it can last for three, four hours. And, and that's really why I love comedy so much. Not to mention the fact that people are happy. You've made people happy. You do make people happy when you laugh. You get to see like a ha, 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 and make us like a little smile. You don't get to see yeah. that yeah. type of face like the normal looking sad face. Yeah, I don't like people that smile at gigs. <laughs> nah, I need you to laugh. Yeah, I don't like, Yee-haw. you need to be like, ha, 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 basically. So I, yeah. I get it. I like that too. I like when people just go yeah. like that because they think it's sort of funny. And I have a feeling yeah. who does that. They shall remain unanimous because I'm not going to bash them. But I know how you feel uh, with yeah. that. Now, have you used pints to build your confidence or have you just built confidence as you've done through your live show? I've always been confident when I'm going on stage. For some reason, I've never got nervous. I don't know why that is, but I just don't feel nervous when I'm going to do it. I suppose part of it is it's like a job. Essentially, you go to work, you do what you're meant to do. On occasions, you might feel a bit more anxiety because it's a bigger gig than usual, but I never feel nervous when I'm going on stage. You, you never do. I never get nervous too anymore because... As I learned, like I cared what people thought of me for many yeah. times, and the crapometer has gone down because of all the negativity I heard, and I've changed yeah. my negativity into positives, and whew, yeah. that's helped my nerves with public speaking and my nerves with yeah. doing this even. I think it can be very easy to focus on the negatives too much when people criticize. Criticism is important because it helps you develop, but as long as it's constructive and it's not just nasty, yeah, I get it. You, you want you? I think you can get constructive criticism. That's always that's good to improve. Just, but yeah. not degrading and harsh words is not right. But definitely, no. I think criticism is a key of life. Sadly and yeah. fortunately, it is. It's essential, and you need to hear it because if if you're constantly getting told you're great and that's great, you're never aware that there, there is work to be done. I would agree with that. When you were doing Brent's Got Talent, you said you saw some bright lights. So when you saw those bright lights on Brent's Got Talent, what did you think? And up until then, had you seen lights before? Yeah, I actually thought that uh, when I seen the bright lights, I just thought it was uh, Simon's smile, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, you may have saw his teeth shining. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's what it was. But yeah, I pick up bits of light, hence the reason a lot of my friends call me the moth, you know? <laughs> attracted to light so wait you're dr light <laughs> yeah i suppose all right maybe i'll start calling you that from now on <laughs> all right so dr light what we'll have to do is meet yourself again because then you look at the lights again i guess because we got to hear about perfection auto glass perfection auto glass is the largest independent auto glass company in the state of indiana serving bloomington fishers Terre Haute, greenwood anderson and muncie they specialize in all aspects of auto glass repair and replacement on everything from domestic and import vehicles, RVs, heavy trucks, and equipment repairing glass, outside mirrors, windows, regulators, and motors. Perfection Auto Glass has trained and certified technicians that recalibrate the camera attached to your windshield to ensure your lane departure warning and ADS safety features are working properly. Their staff has more than 100 years of combined experience and uses only uses the highest quality glass and sealants in the industry. If your windshield or windows are damaged in any way, just have them replaced it or repaired as soon as possible for the safety of you and your loved ones. They offer both in-shop and mobile services as well as same-day service. 
Perfection Eyeglass works directly with all insurance companies and their staff is committed to the highest level of quality service and attention to details that customers have come to expect. They understand that getting your vehicle back on the road as soon as possible is important to you. You can visit them online at perfectionauglassindiana.com to learn more about their services and for a free quote, which I think is kind of cool, by the way, may I add. But anyway, please call Perfection Autoglass for any and all your autoglass needs. All right, folks, and we're back. And yes, please check them out because they are perfect. And we are going to now get into David Covey's, a.k.a. Dr. Light's personal history. So I am kind of curious about your family, Mr. Covey. So your parents or guardians have like, high expectations for you despite your blindness like what did they ever challenge you I guess is another way to put it never put any pressure on me to do something I didn't want to do they left it up to me to choose what I wanted to do in life they never said we'd like you to do this or we'd like you to study that it was all about what I was interested in and what I wanted to do with life they've probably got mixed feelings about me doing comedy why do they have mixed feelings if you don't mind me asking? Probably because of a lot of the stuff I say. A lot of the stuff that I do is a lot darker than what you maybe see on the Britain's Get Talent video. And a lot of the language can be more industrial. But um, it depends what the gig is. You, know, you can tone things down or go into the darker side of comedy or the darker side of the disability. Yeah, the um, dark side of comedy. That's my favourite type of comedy is the raunchy... Yeah. The flavorful, <laughs> as I like to call it, humor. That's the best comedy. Because it's so 2021, and that's what people are kind of saying these days. So when I'm doing like club gigs, things are a lot more hardcore, and the language is a lot more hardcore. So as you can imagine, when you're on primetime British TV, you're not going to be allowed to say a lot of controversial things or, or given the, the sort of language that you'd maybe use when describing things. Now, what role did your family play in your success? Probably more than anything. They did support me financially more than anything because when you're out there kind of learning how to do comedy, you have to turn up at a lot of open nights where you're not getting paid at all for years and years and the return isn't there. So without my parents to you know, give me some money to go to gigs and help me out and drop me off at train stations and drop me off at buses, without them, it would have been so much more difficult. And I probably wouldn't have even been able to do it. Oh, man. Yeah, that would have been difficult probably. But hey, I bet there have been people who would have helped you like me. I bet there are people in Scotland who would have helped you too. So definitely, I understand. Yeah. Just watch yeah. out. Just don't, just don't trip on the step, I guess, is the way to put it. <laughs> Well, that's the thing. A lot of my friends now, they, they, they very often forget that they're guiding me and just smash me into things. And, and they've loved lockdown because they realised that people would get out my way when uh, we were coming down the street. So they would start pushing me through crowds in front of them. Like I'm some sort of people pattern disability bomb. <laughs> they're playing yeah, people ping pong. <laughs> push, oh, push, push. watch out folks we've got a blind man here <laughs> don't uh, look in his eyes you'll catch it <laughs> exactly now mr cubby these are just for some fun so what is like your paradise meal or your favorite food and why is it your favorite i quite enjoy curry and there's a lot of different curry dishes you can have but right now i've got a certain preference for south indian garlic chili chicken and it's, it's quite a hot one, but it's, it's lovely. Oh, that's my favorite. You big spicy guy like me? Like, 
Yeah, I think a korma is the enemy. I, <laughs> I don't see that as a curry. No, I don't, I'm agreeing. The spiciness is the best. When your mouth is flaming, it's really yeah. like a unique sensation, in my opinion. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> you have to battle your food. Yeah, you need that spice. Oh, yeah, you got to spice up your life in some ways. And that's one <laughs> way to spice them up, let me tell you, literally. What is your favorite movie or TV show, and why do you like it? I tend not to obviously watch a lot of movies these days because I don't get the full benefit out of them. But I would probably say the one movie or movies that each time they come on, I just end up sitting through is like The Shawshank Redemption or like Goodfellas or Casino. Really kind of epic films like that that have got a great story and narrative. Yeah, I, I like The Shawshank too. I haven't seen it all the way through because it's really long, yeah. but I've seen like the middle and the end and I think it's pretty good, like from there at least. And as far as TV shows go, um, again, I'm, I'm not really watching a lot of TV shows. In my house, it's just kids TV constantly so um it, it's really the things that i enjoy are a lot of older british comedies or one thing that i'm listening to right now is i love the sopranos currently listening to the talking sopranos podcast so i'm really enjoying that yeah that that is a good podcast i mean i listen to some podcasts i have a lot of good podcasts too i like to listen to pro wrestling podcasts i've gotten to be on some like the 11 30 podcast over the top ropes wrestling podcast and i've also been on some mental health podcasts like follow yeah. your first mind some entrepreneur ones like the dark horse with tracy brickman those are pretty good to listen to but also to be on as well they were pretty swell so well they're doing I'll, all right i'll check some of them out see i used to watch wrestling all the time especially through the kind of 90s and uh, maybe late 80s and uh, I'm dying for my wee boy to get interested in it so that I can watch it again. Oh, who was your favorite back then when you could watch it, I guess? Probably in my era, it would have been The Undertaker or The Ultimate Warrior. And I oh, that's my know. mom's favorite. That was one of my mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, I was really quite young at the time, so it was, it was just another world. Oh, um, yeah. Especially it was like your superhero comic yeah, book character coming alive. Yeah, and the way they looked, they kind of changed the look of wrestlers at the time. You know, they used to be really kind of heavy guys, very strong, but maybe didn't look particularly like athletes. So what has been your favorite vacation that you've ever taken, and why did you enjoy that vacation very much? Probably when I was 16, I went to Canada for six weeks to visit my mum's sister. And um, I travelled all the way through the Rockies, you know, Whistler and Banff and uh, Calgary. And that was amazing. Ah, i never been to Canada. I don't feel comfortable traveling outside the United States because I'm always scared I'm going to break someone else's law. I've always been like <laughs> that. I don't know why. I just, I just have been. Now, are there any good memories that you want to tell our viewers about? If you do, why do you remember that memory the most? Now, before you answer, I always like to end with like a good memory that made you just feel good inside and a memory that made you fall on the floor laughing. And this can be however you want to answer. It's your call. Um, a memory that uh, really made me laugh. Uh, it's probably something quite innocuous that um, was very funny to me, but I can't place anything right now. Like, oh, I'll tell you this recently. Um, it was during lockdown and uh, we had to do homeschooling for my wee boy. So my girlfriend decided to teach him about animals. So she says, so tell me this, what is it that you get from a pig? And my wee boy said, oh, that's easy, mum. You get uh, bacon from a pig. And she says, brilliant, well done. But tell me this, though. 
what is it you get from a cow? And without a word of a lie, it says bleeding homework. Bleeding homework. You do get that probably from a cow, maybe. <laughs> I don't think so, shoot papers, though. Unless the milk is get, gets made out of papers. <laughs> yeah, so, so his, his mum wasn't delighted by that comment. All right. Now, what's the good memory? Do you know, probably the good memory is the, the day my son was born. I mean, th- there's nothing else that would be quite as kind of putting things into perspective as, as experiencing that. So I think that for probably the vast majority of people would maybe be the most uplifting and a memorable moment of their life. But I suppose everybody's different. Yeah, that could be a good memory though. And it's a great way to end because Dave Covey, AKA Dr. Light, I think that's all for now. Is there anything you want, <laughs> is there anything you want to promote or any closing remarks? Really, what I'd just like to say, Sam, thanks for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Anybody who's out there listening that wants to go try comedy or try anything out of the ordinary in life and think that a disability is going to hold them back, it won't. Don't let it. Just go and do it. All right. I think that's a great way to end it. Thank you, Gubby and Dr. Light. Have a great day. <laughs> Thanks. Cheers. Thanks for joining for this episode. Please hear for another episode coming in very soon. Hope you enjoy listening to your ramble. Thank you very much. <laughs>